Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Church, and I'm talking to you, and I'm talking to myself. This is not a talk, me talking down to you. This is a us being real and surveying ourselves. We are very ignorant when it comes to the spiritual realm. We just are. We are very ignorant. I've found myself in situations before where I was totally not prepared for that moment in the spirit realm. It snuck up on me, and I had no clue uh, that, it w- that I was even in that situation. Now, today, as I talk to you uh, in, in this uh, series on spiritual warfare about demon possession, I know, uh, man, your mind, I just wish I could find out what all of y'all are thinking, because when you say demon possession and casting out devils, uh, you begin to go, like, think all these different things. And we like to go to this place of, uh, of thinking about, you know, laying hands on and devils screaming and all of that. But if that's what you're thinking about today, as I talk to you about it, um, you're going to be disappointed. The reality is very few of us in this room are ever going to see that level of casting out. All right? I'm just being honest with you. Very few of you including myself, are going to see. I may see it at a greater level than you simply because of my position and and what I do in the kingdom. But very few of us are ever going to see that level of casting out devils where, uh, you know, they're squirming on the floor like a snake or spitting stuff out. I'm not saying you won't see that, but that's that's a totally... Uh, different, very high level of demon possession. And in my life, I've only seen it and experienced it one time up close. And I'm not going to go into the story because it's, you know, a fairly lengthy story. But I literally encountered a woman up close, face to face. Literally, I was touching her and she was touching me as we were praying for her to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And Shay and I, I believe you were there. Were you there for that? Or you, that uh, baptism service? She didn't go to that, okay? And, and all hell broke loose because she wasn't there. <laughs> but we're in a baptism service for our Hispanic ministry. This is when I was in Atlanta. And, um, and so our pastor's in the baptistry up there. And he said, Pastor Rife, just call the people forward and let's lay hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit, baptism in the Holy Spirit. They had been physically baptized, now we're laying hands on. And so I just closed my eyes and I had my hands uh, uh, touching this lady with her hands. And I felt felt her, you know, in, in Pentecostal services, you know, we're used to people falling out and going down. And I, I had my eyes closed, and uh, Hernando, uh, Pastor Avila, he was our Hispanic pastor, but I was the, it, you know, I'm not trying to get into this, but I was the, what we called the executive pastor. 
he was a, an associate pastor. So it's not like, you know, we got hierarchy or anything, but I had seniority over him. And so I was just doing what I was asked to be done by my supervising pastor. And so Pastor Hernando and Claudia, his wife, standing right beside me. And I begin to pray and I feel her moving away from me. And I don't even open my eyes. That's how cool and, you know, suave I was. I, I didn't, and, and now this is Hispanic service. So everything's happening through translators. So Hernando is translating for me. And I said... Uh, I just didn't even open my eyes, man. I'm just calm, cool, and collected. And I said, Hernando, tell her not to fall. Like, there's a time and a place. This, we're trying to get you baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, it's not the time for that. And so I said, Pastor Hernando, tell her not to fall. He tells her. I still feel her moving away from me. And I'm like, there's, no, there's nobody behind her. So I'm like, so I open my eyes because I'm fixing to have to like pull her to keep. And when I open my eyes, I'm like, oh, it's on. And I said, uh, and she sang stuff to me. She sang it in Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. So I asked Pastor Hernando, I said, Pastor Hernando, what is she saying? And he's like, Pastor, she's manifesting a demon spirit. And I'm like, I got that, man. I just want to know what she's saying. Like, she does not look nice. And I promise you, I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to hype this up. Her skin turned gray. A Hispanic person. Her skin turned gray, and her eyes looked like the eyes of a shark. It was just black. You just, I don't even know where the pupil went. But... She, it was, it was scary. And I'm like, and you know what immediately thought, uh, the first thing that thought, when Jesus, when the disciples came back to Jesus, because I had never experienced this before. And when the disciples came back to Jesus and they said, man, we tried and they didn't come out. And he said, well, what, tell me what happened. And they began to tell, and he's like, oh, you guys came up against some big old demons. And he said, that kind will only come out by prayer and fasting, a dedicated. And so I, that comes to my mind and I go, oh, Snoopy poop. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not prayed up for this. Like I'm not, I'm not, and I'm, I'm immediately thinking of how inadequate I am to face this demon. And I'm telling you what, Pastor Hernando and Claudia were so calm. And see, they had, They've been up against this. They've seen it before. And he coached me through it. And so she goes down, man. All the Hispanics go, they're gone, you know. And there literally were, I mean, it cleared the room. There were only a few of us left. And she's on the floor and just, you know, praying over her and just slithering, you know, that whole thing. And it, and it was really quite, you know, traumatic looking at all of that. And finally, uh, the, the demon is cast out. And uh, it didn't take lo a long time. The demon's cast out. And she's like, glory, glory a Dios. You know, she's just praising the Lord. And then all of a sudden, she goes back into that slithery, you know, writhing, screaming thing. And Pastor Hernando, he's like, Pastor, there's more. 
I'm like, I know Legion, right? You know, and, and he's like, so we just prayed, prayed, prayed. And then the Lord delivered her. That was uh, over 25 years ago. I haven't seen it since. If it's been there, I, I didn't discern it. I didn't discern it then. I mean, the enemy is up in this woman right in front of me. She's at a service. That ought to be telling you something now. She's at a service. She's worshiping. She's got her hands in there. She just got baptized. A devil is part of the journey. She got baptized. She's coming down front. So there's, she's, she's in control and he's in control. There's part and part. So she comes to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, <laughs> Holy Spirit's like, I'm fixing to come up in there. Y'all going to have to clean some stuff out. That's where the conflict comes. She's delivered, yay, you know, God. Super exciting thing. That kind of demon casting out and demon possession, uh, very few of us are going to see that. You know, if you see it, hopefully you'll know what to do. I know you will. If you'll listen and kind of go through this, you will know what to do. But I want to share some things with you uh, that's going to bring this into an everyday kind of occurrence for you. In Luke chapter 4, that's where we're going to go. Luke chapter 4. And if in the book of Luke, guys, dude, it is filled with demon activity. Like if you start reading through the book of Luke and you start looking at Jesus' ministry and, and dude, manifestations of demons and everything, it's like, it's crazy. It's all over uh, the Gospels. And so in Luke chapter 4, we'll get there in a minute. Now, last week when I was sharing in this message, I was saying, listen, the enemy don't, like, know your enemy. And I talked about how powerful the enemy was. Basically, what I was trying to tell you is don't ever underestimate the enemy. Don't underestimate his power. Don't underestimate how powerful the enemy is, how crafty, how subtle he is. If you didn't hear that message, please, I encourage you to go back and hear it. Don't underestimate. The scripture says, be sober, be vigilant, be very aware. And Paul even says, hey, we know the enemy's tactics. We're not, we, we're not gonna fall prey to his tactics and his schemes. We know very well how the enemy works church listen to me the church does not know how the enemy works you might know it here in head knowledge but you don't know it in everyday practice because I see people being manipulated by demons all the time don't underestimate the the power of your enemy but never overestimate him all right are you following me don't underestimate him. He's very powerful. But be careful not to give him too much power. There are people I hear, I've heard it recently, that people, they give the enemy too much power. They talk about how powerful he is. And listen, uh, let, let me just say this. Like, the enemy cannot harm you. Like, 
Oh, he can steal, he can kill, he can destroy, he can do all these kinds of things. But you got to be careful. When, when, when the scripture talks about he, he comes to kill, he cannot kill you. Listen, if, if there's anybody that believes the devil can kill you, I want to clear this up right now. The devil cannot kill you. Somebody gets off in an accident or somebody, that's not, the, the, the devil did not kill that person. You, as a blood-washed, blood-bought, spirit-filled believer, cannot be taken out by the enemy. You just can't. Now, I'm not saying that people that are are not under the covenant of the blood, I'm not saying anything about them. They're outside of God's protection, so to speak, but not us who are blood-bought. So don't overestimate the enemy. Don't give the enemy too much uh, power. We don't want to underestimate him, and at the same time, we don't want to overestimate him. And here's what I want, your, the main thing I want to drive home. Our power source always prevails over the power of our enemy. Our power source, Holy Spirit in us, always prevails over the power of the enemy. The word prevailed there when Jesus said, uh, uh, Peter, who, who do people say I am? And he begins to tell them, you know, well, some think you're Elijah the prophet and some think you're a great teacher and this. And he says, that's all fine and good. But Peter, we're, you and I are like this. We're in relationship. We're walking close to, uh, with one another. Who do you say I am? Because what everybody else says, it doesn't really matter. Peter, who do you say that I am? And he says, well, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're, you're the chosen one. You're the, you're, you're the redeemer of all Israel. And he says, Peter, right there, right there, that faith that you put in me, that faith is what I'm going to build the church on. In, in what? What? The faith, our faith in Christ. Not do we believe in him, but do we believe that Christ is capable of doing everything that he said he would do like he said he would do it? That kind of faith, that is what I'm going to build my church on. And listen to me, uh, Peter. He says this in Matthew chapter 16. He says, the gates of hell will not prevail against that kind of faith. When you place your faith in the power that I have, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Peter, when you are confident in my power, it doesn't matter how powerful hell is. It will never prevail. The word prevail there meaning a victorious, decisive outcome. That we're not wondering about who's going to win. We're not, we're not hoping that Jesus, we're not hoping that it plays out in the end. Listen, I've got situations in my life right now, some with my family, that I'm like, I do not know how long it's going to take for that to work out. But I know there's a victory that's already been had in my family I'm just waiting on the manifestation it's already over there that's done happened in the supernatural but I'm over here in the natural and I have I don't see it and uh, Milton so wonderfully said this morning in our pre-service prayer uh, time with the worship team he said pastor do you remember when Daniel was praying and for 21 days God had already delivered the answer and released it but he was intercepted in, in another realm this unforeseen spiritual realm 
And for 21 days, there was this battle going on in the spirit realm. Listen, I don't know how long, if it's 21 days, 21 weeks, 21 years, I, I don't know how long it will be, but I'm telling you, if God spoke it, he's going to do it. Hold on, hold on, because the power source that we have confidence in always will prevail over the enemy. Amen? Amen? So let's look real uh, quick to Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, um, we're going to drop down and we're going to be in uh, verse 31. But I just want to, before we get there, I just want to take you through some, uh, some layout of this, uh, what's happening here in Luke chapter 4. Jesus it starts with him being led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, here's the deal. It says that when he's led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days, diabolos is the word for devil. It means Satan. Diabolos is Satan. All right? Satan is the one. Like, the person Satan. His name is Lucifer. He was created as a great musician and leader in heaven. This is the one. Listen, you and I are probably never going to come in contact with him. Listen to me. Because Satan is busy on the world stage. Just like if you need to get in contact with somebody, you're probably never going to have a phone conversation with President Biden. You follow me? You're not going to be able to pick up the phone and ring-a-ding-a-ding -a -ding the Oval Office and, hey, Joe, want to talk to you about the economy. Or, hey, Joe, I want to talk to you about this, that, or the other. But what you can do is you can call your local representative. Or you can call and probably talk to the mayor in the city. You can, you can operate at those levels, but Satan himself is operating on a world stage. And I'm not trying to minimize us by any means, but we really are not that important to the devil's schemes on a global scale. Man, he's setting up for the Antichrist. He's setting up for the one world order. He's setting up for those kinds of things. So right here, Diabolos, Satan himself, is talking face to face with God himself in the form of his son, Jesus. But when you read on down through here, you'll get down and you'll, you'll, uh, you'll find that when we get to the place where we're fixing to read in uh Verse 31, the word for devil in some translation is translated demon more accurately because it's a different word. Uh, it's daimonion, daimonion. And that word, diabolos, Satan, daimonion. Those are demons. These are like a lesser class, uh, basically fallen angels that went with him in the great rebellion. And so there are these different classes. Remember, the scripture tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, and powers. Ru that it lays out this hierarchy. Rulers, but then there's authorities over rulers, and then there's 
spiritual wickedness in high places. And so when we are looking at things in our world, you and I are going to be fighting devils that are demons, not devils that are Satan. Everybody on the same page with me? You and I never going to come, most likely, face to face with Satan himself. But you and I are going to constantly be battling demonic spirits. Here's the thing. We don't talk about that a lot. But I'm telling you, there's so much demonic activity that what will happen is I'm about to give you information. And so you need to be aware that demonic activity now will all of the sudden be more visible to you. I am today, now if you don't want to hear this, you need to leave. But you are going to have a veil torn off of your misunderstanding. And you're going to see behind the veil today. And so now you're going to begin to see these things. It's ever like you ever bought a new car or it doesn't have to be brand new, but you just get a car and you hardly ever saw that. Now you see them all over the road. They're everywhere, even the same color as your car. That's what is about to happen. You are going to be exposed to this spiritual uh, understanding and awareness. And you're going to begin to see this kind of activity because it's happening everywhere we just are not aware of it. And a lot of it is that not that we're not trying to be aware of it. It's just like, dude, we just go about our superficial everyday lives. And when we think about it, man, we are not just natural beings. We are supernatural beings. And so let's look at verse 31. What's happening is Jesus, he's coming into Capernaum. Verse 31. Then Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath day. There, too, were people, uh, the people were amazed at his teaching, for he spoke with authority. Circle that. For he spoke with authority. They were amazed at that because he spoke with authority. You know what this indicates to me is they were used to going to church every week hearing the word with zero authority so that when authority shows up they're amazed and not in a good way all of them see I've learned and I've seen and I've witnessed with myself in my own ministry and in the ministry of our church family that when you begin to operate in authority, it, thank you, Lord, it makes people mad. It makes demons mad. They're not used to that. And you don't tell me what to do. You don't, you know, well, look at this person. Look how cocky, how arrogant. They were amazed that he spoke with such authority. And look at this. Once when he was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, not the devil, a demon. An evil spirit cried out, shouting, Go away. Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? 
Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him and said, be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the demon threw the man to the floor as the crowd watched, and it came out of him without hurting him further. I'm going to go back and I'm going to point some things out about how demons act when they're recognized. All right? Amazed, verse 36, amazed the people exclaimed, what authority and power. Those two things go together. What authority and power this man's, what? Words possess. Power in words, power in declaration, power in verbal uh, things that we say. How powerful and with what authority this man's words possess. Even evil spirits obey him and they flee. They obey and they flee. They obey and they flee. Say it. They obey and they flee. This is important to see how Jesus does it. For us later in the message. He commands them. He speaks with authority. He speaks with power. And they obey and flee. Obey and flee. Say it with me. They obey and flee. At his command. The news about Jesus spread through every village in the entire region. When you go back and you look at the behavior of the demons, go back and look at it. All right, let's go back up to verse 33. When the evil spirit cried out, shouting, number one, this is not on the screen. This is, just a, this is actually just a little sermonette in, inside the sermon. Demons are loud. They're big mouths. They're loud. Oh, this is good. The demon cried out, what do you want? Why are you here to torment us? Has Jesus tormented anybody? Who is the tormentor? He, he, he done crawled up inside this man, been tormenting him, yet he accuses, accuser of the brethren, he accuses Jesus Devils are loud. They ain't interested in decorum. Like you can try to uh, do things decently and in order. Not the devil. The devil's like, nope, making noise, throwing stuff. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you. They're disruptive. All right, here's the deal. You got to understand this. Where's that devil? Where's the demon? Where is he? He's inside that man. Now, this is a high-level demon possession. But every day, I mean, you can go, you can read all through the Old Testament and even over into the New Testament, there's a thing called familiar spirits. You ever watched, uh, listen, don't, don't, don't. Give me some grace right here. I'm not a Harry Potter fan. I don't watch Harry Potter movies, but I have watched Harry Potter. On there, 
Have you ever noticed that they have familiars? Anybody know? So these familiars are these little demonic things that they'll take some kind of shape. Well, in Scripture, that's scriptural, by the way. In Scripture, Saul consulted familiar spirits. They were called familiars. He would consult those who were in uh, communication with devils, with demons. And so we call those familiar spirits. I might dive into that in a few weeks from now. But there are familiar spirits. Have you ever noticed that these people, well, we, we, we dumb everything down. And we, we talk about like things in the natural. Birds of a feather. Misery loves. You know what those are? Familiars. They're familiar spirits. They gravitate to one another. Why are they doing that? Because they know the Bible works. And they know there is a spiritual principle that says that there are there's strength in numbers where two or three are gathered. That they know that they know these principles. And so these demons, they, they they're familiar, they gravitate, and so they begin to build that structure of cohesive solidarity. And so they're loud. They're, they, you know, they cry out. They accuse. They're accusatory. But they also, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. A devil will recognize an anointed one in a heartbeat. That's what Messiah means, the anointed one. But you all are messiahs of of, of a sort. You're an anointed one. You're apostles. You're sent. You know, the enemy can sniff that out, man. He knows. He knows the anointing. I mean, my God, the enemy is so much more perceptive, discerning, and, uh, uh, and subtle than we are. But if you can look at people, like in the scripture, I forget which group of people, but they said, they looked at the disciples and said, we know that you've been with him. Y'all are talking like Jesus. You're acting like Jesus. Y'all are doing some of this. If people can recognize, how much more do you think the enemy can sniff out an anointed believer? They'll know who you are. You might not even have discerned that spirit yet, but that spirit has discerned you because, see, we don't walk throughout our day. We, don't, we just don't do this. We don't walk out of our house every day and go, all right, I'm going to demon devil hunting today. I'm going to see how many devils I can find. But do you know that the enemy does do that? He goes about and goes, how many Christians, how many anointed ones can I find? How many can I assassinate how, uh, in, metaphorically? How many can I destroy? How many can I come against? How many can I partner with? How many can I cozy up with? How many can I lie to? How many can I distort? And how many can I confuse? How many can I, you know, cause all kinds of chaos? You know, that's what the enemy, he goes out and he's about his business. And so it says, I know who you are. And in verse 35, when Jesus is commanding him to be quiet, he's one, he's reprimanding him, uh, rebuking him. And then two, he's casting him out. So it says, be quiet. That's a reprimand. That's a rebuke. Come out. 
That's a casting out. So those two go together. And at that, the demon throws the man onto the ground. There's collateral damage. Demons always. Listen, you can't. I'm telling you, friend, church. The devil, when you confront the devil, when you recognize him and call him out, look for collateral damage. He is going to kick over something. He's going to tear something up. He's going to curse you as, you as he leaves. He's going to do everything he can because look at this. It says, at that, the demon threw the man to the floor as the crowd watched. Come on, man. That, this is chocked full of good stuff. He's kicking stuff over. Y'all seeing this? Y'all seeing this? Y'all seeing this? Because the devil wants a crowd. The devil wants to create as much confusion and destruction as he possibly can. When I'm, I'm fixing to get into how we call him out. I'm warning you. When you call the devil out, you need to be prepared for what happens. Now, pastor, who are we calling this out in? Dude, it could be in your wife. It could be in your husband. It can be in the church. All the time, it's in church leadership. All the time. Come on, man. Y'all need to be drinking this in it can be in your best friend it can be in your group of friends look at this in verse 9 of so or sorry chapter 9 so we're moving from luke uh chapter 4 also in chapter 8 jesus uh this is not on the screen anywhere in Luke chapter 8, Jesus cast the devil out, uh, the demoniac in, at Gadara, the one that comes out from the tombs and like, dude, he's so powerful, like he literally breaks chains. He casts them out. I told y'all, it's chock full of devils, Luke. Now in verse uh, 9, he's, Jesus is calling the 12 disciples out, and it says, and then he called the 12 disciples together and he gave them what? Power and authority over all demons. Now, even though you might not ever come face to face with Satan himself, can I tell you that you have power over him? All demons, every level of demon, little demons and big demons, you know, lower echelon demons and higher echelon demons. Like you and I have the power. And he's given it to us. A while ago when we were talking about him in the temple, it said the people were amazed at the power and the authority that he had over demon spirits. That power and authority he gives now to his disciples. Now, you have to understand the nature of disciples because this is what I hear people talk about. Well, pastor, that was back in the day and the disciples. I'm sorry, I'm a disciple. The nature, you don't understand the continuum of discipleship. Discipleship is I 
disciple you, you disciple somebody else, somebody else, somebody else, somebody else. And we all have descended through, this, through the, the, the discipleship continuum to today. We're disciples of Christ himself. And so he gives us power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And then he sends them out to preach the kingdom. And to heal the sickness. So he sends them out, all right? They're going out. In between Luke chapter 9 and uh, Luke chapter 10, the discipleship continuum has produced more disciples. So now there's 72 more, a total of, uh, what would that be? 70, uh, uh, 70. All right, so, so 70 plus the 12. So now we're up to 82 disciples, all right? And so the 70, he sent out 70 uh, earlier in chapter 10, just like he sent out the 12. So he's, this, y'all with me, right? Jesus is in the disciple-making ship business. He's raising them up, sent them out. Raising them up, sent them out. Go cast devils out, heal the sick, you know, preach the gospel. All right? The 70 returned with great joy, saying, um, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. In your name. The name that is above every other name. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall from heaven. And he said, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. All right, listen to this. This is important. This, is, this goes to combat that argument that people say, oh, just the first disciples. No, we were at 12. Now we're at, at 82. We added 70 more to us. And the same thing he said to the original 12, he says to them, which means that today we can stand and say that we have all power and authority over the enemy. And, and then he says, look, as I've given you all this power, you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them and nothing will injure you. Man, people are so stupid. You got people on TV that they're making reality series of, you know, oh, Lord God, you know, they got the snakes and everything. And I'm like, why do we want to take everything? I believe if you need to take up a snake, God will give you the power to do that if you do it. But I'm like, if God ain't told you that, you need to leave that snake alone. You need to leave that snake alone. The best snake is a dead snake. That's the, that's the end. The end. <laughs> I'm like, don't want to get off on that, but I'm just telling you, if I see a snake, I don't care. Well, he eats rats. He's eating the bottom of my foot today. You know, but, but I want you to look. We always look in the natural church when Jesus is talking in the supernatural. He says... To the religious. You know who the religious were, right? They're not ungodly. Well, maybe they are, but they're, they're not outside of Christendom. They're not outside of the faith. They're not outside of Judaism. They clean up nice. They go to church. They drop stuff in the bucket. And Jesus said, you brood of vipers. You brood of vipers. You brood of vipers. Now look at in that context, go back and look at. You can walk among snakes. 
man, I'm just telling you, Jesus, he might be talking about physical snakes there, but I'm telling you, he's talking about you will walk among broods of vipers. You'll walk among people that are influenced by devils and you'll have power and authority over them. Come on, I'm not just talking about stuff that's happening inside of a church building. I'm talking about this is in your family, in your day-to-day operations as you go throughout life. I'm talking about you coming into contact with demon activity, all right? And here's the thing that as we go into this, there's five things that I want you to understand about this. Number one, five things to understand about our power and authority. Number one is we're endorsed by Jesus. He's the one who gives us the power and authority. Well, what power do you have? Jesus gave it to me. Do not listen to me. Don't you go up. I'm, I'm telling you, don't just leave devils alone if you are not in relationship with God. If you are not in an intimate relationship with the devil, you better be careful because he's powerful and he'll whoop you up. If you don't believe me, go read. I don't know where it's at. Acts Acts chapter 19 or somewhere where uh, those seven sons of Sceva, I love to refer to those. That's one of my favorite uh, accounts uh, in scripture. When these are boys that grew up in the synagogue, they're used to all of this. But listen, as they're, they're, they're like, in the name of Jesus, they got the name right. The name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, demons tremble. At the name of Jesus, demons flee. All right? So they got the name right. Oh, but they do not have the power and authority because they said, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. It's like, I love their response of the demons. They're like, we, we're aware of Jesus, and we also know Paul, but now who are you? Dude, they whooped those boys up. They literally beat them clothless. And this is where we are. We need to understand, where does our authority come from? It comes from Jesus. And we don't just get to throw the name of Jesus around because hear me, church family. That is like saying to the devil, if you are not in relationship and have an understanding of what you're dealing with, in the name of Bob, I command you to come out. You know why? Because Jesus is not a special name. Think about this. Yeshua, Joshua, it's not a special name. It's like Tom. There's tons of, I mean, I had Jesus in my fifth grade ESL class. Jesus. It's just a name. But it is the one who wears that name that makes that name special. And so when you speak the name of Jesus, you're not just You're not just speaking out a vocabulary word. You are speaking of the one who stands behind that word and the enemy knows who we're talking about. So we are endorsed by Jesus himself. The second thing is this, that we're empowered by Jesus. Jesus says, I give you all power. Or sorry, I give you 
power over all. All right, so here's the difference. That word all, you gotta be sure that you put that in the correct place for it to be the appropriate modifier, the appropriate uh, uh, word. Like, we don't have all power. Think, think this through now, because some of us believe that we have all power. We do not have all power. I do not have the power to just speak something and poof, it just pops up there. Like, I don't have the power to create a person like that. God has that power. I don't have that power. We need to understand that we have all power over the enemy. Whatever his power source is, whatever his, ours supersedes that. Our power source will always prevail over the power source of the enemy. So we're empowered by Jesus. Holy Spirit lives in us. We're empowered by Jesus. So the authority and the power is not an issue if we're walking in it. Number uh, three, our power and authority is extensive. Like any devil that you come up against, listen to me, any devil that you come up against, you have the power and the authority to come against it. You have the, the power and authority to rebuke it and you have the power and authority to cast it out. The thing about the enemy is he is very confident and he is an incredible bluffer. He has an incredible poker face. Man, the enemy does not come up. I, that's why I get irritated with people. Some of y'all. I get irritated with people who are like, man, I, I'll be the first to speak. When the church is like, I don't want to speak out of term. Or, well, we just asked you. You've been given the authority. I don't want to make anybody sad. Do you think for the, a minute that a demonic influence goes, I really don't want to make a mess in here and I really, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. The enemy is never, never considers you for a minute. Never considers, he only considers what his agenda is. Like, man, I'm telling you, we have all, a pow all power and authority over every kind of devil, any kind of devil that, that comes up against you, that comes up big and brazen and in your face. And it's like, I had your mama, I had your grandma, I'll have all of y'all. You don't come telling me what you're gonna do. Like the enemy is loud, remember? The enemy's loud. He's obnoxious, he's in your face. And I'm telling you what, devil, you will not have me. You will not have me. I mean, you have the power and authority to overcome any devil that comes your way. Our power is extensive. Our power, it's got to be exercised. He sends them out. Why is he doing this? He's sending them out, number one, to Expand the gospel is the first reason. But as you expand the gospel, you are going to come in contact with all kinds of devils. When you are about your everyday operations, as a matter of fact, that's the last one. Our power and authority is for everyday use. Like, man, 
People think, man, I got to get some deliverance ministry, and I'm all for that. Man, we got to come down to the altar. Listen, that's the last place that you want to be casting out a devil in the altar because it's loud, it's disruptive, and if you hadn't got a, a room of people, I'm not saying that it can't happen here. I'm just saying that when you cast devils out in front of an entire church body, you got people in here, they're st still trying to figure out if they want to get on the faith train. You know, all kinds of things. They don't understand different levels. That kind of stuff needs to be a backroom experience or another setting or maybe at a conference where everybody paid to come to that conference or they came to that conference for that reason. Those are times when you come up against those kind of devils. And hey, if it happens, it happens because the devil is also not the kind of person that goes, listen, I don't want to disrupt y'all's service today. I don't want to mess up anything. So I'm just going to kind of play it ear. I was wondering, could we actually take this off to a private prayer room and let us, you know, discuss it a little bit and, and no, it, he doesn't work that way. But I'm telling you, for you and I, the enemy is operating every day in multiple scenarios, in multiple places in your world. And we've got to be able to look at him, recognize what's happening, and be able to cast the devil out. What this is, basically, it's you taking charge for your life and you taking the authority that God has given you and you utilizing the power that God God has given you. I want you to look at this and ask yourself, is the warfare, is our warfare a demonic attack or is it demons that we've allowed? Because a lot of times we'll go, man, I'm just so, under so much attack. The enemy's attacking me and I'll go, but how much of this is what you're allowing? Because well, in my family, this, 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 and this, and you don't understand. And I'm like, no, I do understand. You're placating and pacifying the devil. And you want to stick that super uh, uh, natural pacifier in the devil's mouth and get him to shut up for a little bit. Listen, you can never pacify the enemy. He's going to have his way. He's going to have his way. And the only way to not let him have his way is to not let him have his way. Cast him out. Rebuke that devil. And ask yourself, is it a demonic attack or is this something that I've opened myself up to? Maybe I've opened myself up to something. Maybe I've allowed this to be in my family. Dude, I'm telling you, I hope y'all are getting this like, I'm, like, like I, I'm intending it. Like, dude, this is in every area of your life. This could be with your children. This could be with your spouse. This could be with somebody in your workplace. This could be a generational pattern or curse over your family. This could be within the church, like the local church body. Y'all... I don't know if the church family at Destiny fully knows how many times I've battled demons in this church, in this church. And, and those demons are in the form of, you, you have to be careful, listen to me, listen to me. There is a difference between being possessed, like there is an enemy that has taken control of my body and being demonized. In other words, I'm just being influenced by the devil. 
Like I bought into the devil's lie. I bought into the devil's chaos. I bought into the devil's whatever. And now I'm actually demonized in the sense of I'm an agent of the enemy. But I sing on the worship team. But I preach in the pulpit. But I greet at the front door. And you are an agent of the enemy. Because you allow the enemy to utilize your persona, your influence, your body, your words. And it's like, we can put up with that in your family, in your workplace, in our church. We can put up with that. Or we can call it out. Recently, I called the devil out. And, uh, you know, try to be careful because... Uh, you know, protect people and, and that kind of thing. But we're a small church, so you, you're going to know some of these folks that I'm talking about. But we had a situation where, um, where Shay came to me and she shared with me something that was going on. And I'm like, that's nothing but the devil. And it's time for that to stop. Because it's going on years now. I mean, we tried to be nice. We tried to be, uh, we, we tried to be hospitable. We tried to be uh, honoring. And, and listen to me. A lot of times we will call uh, honor, we will, call, we will really call fear honor. And we'll call, uh, wi- we'll call fear wisdom. Are you sticking with me? Well, I'm really afraid of what's going to happen here and the damage. So I just want to honor. Or I want to use wisdom. Are you following me? When it's really a, a spirit of fear. And so... When Shay came and shared this with me, I said, that's going to stop because that's manipulation. It's controlling. And I've I've been dealing with this now for almost two years. And so here's what I did when when now there comes a confrontation. Now, you understand a confrontation is can can be as simple because this is what we think about as a rebuke. We think about a rebuke as being, devil, I tell you in the name of Jesus. That's what we think of as a rebuke. It doesn't have to be that way. It can, it, it can simply be, shh, be quiet. You can do that somewhere else, but you're not going to do that here. It can be that simple. However, be prepared. Because you can do it like that. And it doesn't mean that the devil goes, oh, absolutely. I'm so sorry. My apologies. Forgive me. You know, yes, yes. Uh-uh. No. What did the devil do to Jesus? Got loud. Had the crowd. Start knocking stuff over. Throwing stuff down. I'm telling you. 
we have got to walk in a heightened level of discernment and wisdom when we're dealing with devils. When we're dealing with devils. Man, I'm going to try to wrap this up. And if y'all let me go, I think I can finish this today. If y'all give me a few more minutes. Um, Listen, church, you understand this kind of preaching is not making any friends in the demonic world. You understand that, right? You understand that when you preach like this, we have to be ready now for the manifestation. I'm telling you, church, I have had church family and, and, and uh, sit here for years. And they have, they, they have not grown in the depth of the word. I've had church family that they get offended. And, well, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. You can take this church and shove it. I ain't going there no more. And it's like, who are you? Who are you? Like, I just thought that you were more advanced. Somebody in this house is feeling guilty and and condemned right now. Do not let the enemy condemn you. Hear me. Do not let the enemy condemn you. Conviction of the Holy Spirit is one thing, saying, my child, listen to the word and come into alignment. Conviction is this, and I'm trying to be careful because I didn't ask permission if I could share this, so I'll be careful with how I share it. A few weeks ago, somebody got up, walked out of this service because they manifested a demon. All right? Dude, I'm, I'm a clueless. I think y'all, I, I don't know what y'all think, but there's stuff happening in the spiritual realm that I'm, a, I'm on task and I don't know everything that's going on in this building. But I mentioned something in the message and it triggered that demon. That demon gets up and leaves. In this service, let me mess with some folks that I can trust. Is it you, Brandon? Is it you, Lynn or Teresa? Is it you, Amy? Is there a demon that has attached itself to you? And the message that I'm hearing, that spirit is beside you going, that's not what he means. What he really means is. What he really is saying is, as a matter of fact, oh, look at him. He's looking straight at you. He's looking straight at you. Even though it was literally for two seconds, you know he was trying to send you a message. That sorry sucker, he's not man enough to come and have a private conversation with you. Like Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 18 says, he's such a coward and a manipulator and a narcissist. He's looking straight at you. When you encourage somebody, when you encourage somebody. Listen, I've had three people. Y'all need to hear this in the Holy Ghost. I've had three people recently to say to me, why, when, I mean, I literally not too long ago did an entire series on worship. 
Yet that enemy pressures people into not worshiping. He's just preaching that because he wants to control the church. He's just preaching that because he wants the church to worship like he wants to worship. Like he wants you to worship. When the entire series literally was about the myriad of ways that our creative God gives us to worship him. Raising our hands, kneeling, laying prostrate before the Lord, giving, serving. Like there's so many different ways. But that lying spirit making people agents of the enemy. Do you know that pastor was looking straight at me? I know he's trying to send me a message. I'm telling you, these things happened in our church. So that spirit, what is it? That's a familiar spirit. Now tries to go get with another spirit person. You, do you know that you're, the, the, the spirits that are assigned you? Now you have to understand. If we can quote Psalm 93 as he's given the angels of the universe charge over us. We have our assigned angels. Hello. Do you not think that you have assigned demons? And guess what? He didn't give you the dumbest demon that stepped off the demon train yesterday. He's like, listen, Glenna. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not going to fill in the blank, okay, because I don't want to speak anything. But Glenna, she's blank. So this demon that specializes in that, you're going to be assigned to her. I can't assign you to Butch because Butch don't have that. Have, have, have that. Butch got something else. So the demons that are assigned to us by the enemy knows our weaknesses and knows our buttons to punch, you know? And so uh, when we're looking at this demonic activity, there's three, three ways that we can cast devils out. And when I say devil, you understand I'm talking about demons. There's three ways that we can cast demons out. Number one, renounce. Renounce is me making a declaration, taking responsibility for me. And I'm renouncing I remember the day that I renounced alcoholism. All of my mama's family were alcoholics. My granddaddy, my great-granddaddy, my grandma. Uh, I've got three brothers that were alcoholics. And I remember the day that I said, it stops with me. I will not perpetuate that. So what I was saying... I will have no part of alcoholism. I will have no part of that in my family. That will not be a demon that, that infiltrates my family and I pass down to my children. No part. So renouncing is basically me taking responsibility for myself. Renouncing says, looks like this, all right? This is an example of renouncing. Father, I renounce I reject every spirit of pornography, every lustful spirit that was ever passed down from generation to generation. Whoever opened the door, I'm closing it. Yeah. 
Whoever opened the door to that demon, I close it in Jesus' name. I will have nothing to do with it. I will not partner with that spirit. It's finished today. It has no legal authority. I serve final eviction notice today. That's what renouncing sort of looks like. The second thing is this, a rebuke. Now, when you go through Scripture and when the word rebuke is used, very seldom is the word rebuke, this is important to us, church, very seldom is the word rebuke ever, uh, or, let, let, let me phrase this well. Very seldom is the word rebuke used person to devil. It's normally person to person. Are you following me? So when I rebuke, it's normally I'm rebuking a person. So I'm rebuking my wife, or I'm rebuking my children, or I'm rebuking a church member, or I'm rebuking a family member. What is a rebuke? A rebuke is, a, is, is just, it's just a strong correction. It's a strong correction. It's not a mild correction. It's a strong correction. And it's like, hey, stop that. We're not going to have that here. We're not going to have that here. When you rebuke someone, get ready for collateral damage. It doesn't mean it always happens, but I'm telling you, when you can rebuke someone, the scripture, I don't have the scripture right in front of me, but it's somewhere in the Proverbs, and it's like, man, the rebuke of a friend. The rebuke of a friend is better than a thousand compliments from, from an in, the enemy. Like somebody who loves me. Somebody who has my best interest at heart. And they love me enough to pull me aside and say, man, I love you, but this has got to stop. Or this is something that you've been doing. Or X, Y, or Z. But a rebuke. So how can I cast? I renounce. This is taking responsibility for myself. I rebuke. That's responsibility for my surroundings. A few weeks ago when Shay came to me, I'm like, I am the pastor of this church. Hear me. I am the pastor of this church, and this is fixing to stop. I, what, what was I doing? I'm taking charge of my surroundings. I'm in charge here. And, and listen to this. I say that like, I'm in charge here. I don't care about nobody. I'm in charge here. No, my friend, I'm in charge. That means one day you, you, Jim, are not going to have to stand in front of Jesus and say, Jim, so I just got to talk to you about some things of how you ran destiny and how you, you're, you're not going to have to, I have to do that. I have to answer to the Lord. So if I'm selfish, narcissistic, controlling, manipulative, whatever, God forbid, because, dude, that stuff don't fly with Holy Spirit. That stuff does not fly with the Lord. And whether I am or am not, there will come a time where I have to stand and I have to give an account. So I said, this is going to stop. We've been putting up with that too long. We've tried to placate it too long, and it stops today. And we're going to have to deal with whatever the enemy does. We'll deal with it because the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. 
And it's funny because I've seen people, and listen, this, this most recent situation wasn't the first, and it, ugh, I hate to even think it this way, it won't be the last. Because the enemy is going to keep on keeping on. He is so faithful. But every time, I just pray that with each time, this is what I'm praying. I'm praying each time that I learn something from it. And I go, yep, Lord, I can see how I tried to placate that. I can see how I tried to pacify that. Yep, Lord, I can see how I did that. Yep, I, I just pray every time that I as a leader become wiser and go, Mm-hmm. That's why when people come up to me, see, I've already been through some stuff with the worship team, and I'm not trying to, uh, anybody that's on our current team, but I've already been in places where there's been division and chaos because there's been demonic activity with the worship team. Mm-hmm. And I've been at that place where I'm like, no, this, this is too important. This is too important. So guess what? I don't care if you're the best keyboard player. I had someone, uh, I don't know, probably I'm guessing about nine, ten months ago. It was before uh, Melissa and her family came to us. And they came to me, they were referred to me by another pastor. And uh, I said, man, I, we need somebody for the keys. And, you know, you, you know anybody that, well, he suggested this person to me. This person and her husband came here. And um, I felt like I had a prophetic word for her. Could have totally missed it. But I felt like I had a prophetic word for her. And um, she knew why she was there. And we talked about it and everything. And, uh, you know, I'm like, so where are you guys worshiping? You know, are you, well, we hadn't been really any, any worship. Doo, doo, doo. That is a red flag. It doesn't mean I'm being insensitive. But somebody who is walking with the Lord, you are not going to be out of church long. Yeah. Hear me. You can let the enemy beside you whisper something in your ear and say, he's so insensitive to people who are church hurt. My God, I'm church hurt every week. By multiple people. Somebody who's in relationship with the Lord, you ain't going to be out of church long. Why? Because you know what the scripture says. And you love the Lord. And you love the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. You love the fellowship of believers. And so, Lord, I don't even know where I was going with that. Y'all know where I was going? Oh, the keyboard. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So the keyboard lady. So I'm like, as bad as we need a keyboardist. She leaves. I don't see her for months. And uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she's like, hey, uh, I'm available to play keys. Not at destiny, you ain't. I'm available to play keys if you need me. Let me know. I, listen, I never even responded to her uh, email. Pastor Rife, that's so rude. No, it's not. I don't owe you anything. 
I owe you literally nothing. I offered you, and we were talking about relationship in this house, but you do not get to have a platform here just because you have some kind of talent. You don't get to come up on to the platform and help us create atmosphere when we don't know you. Like, if you're not willing enough to know us, you know, and, 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 and do relationship with us, like, we're not looking for hire. I can tell you about five churches that you can go to and apply there, and they will literally hire you to come play. But that's not how we operate here. And so, you know, I don't know what all that has to do with rebuking, but somehow it will teach you a lesson somewhere. Surroundings, that's it. Thank you, Amy. But taking responsibility for our surroundings. Like, we're responsible for how we govern this house and how we, you know, how we operate within this house. Look at this. Man, I got to finish. Here we go. Release. Release. This is taking responsibility for your future. Listen, there's going to come a time, church, where you've done everything you can do, release them. There's going to come a time that you've worked and you've worked and you've had conversation and you've had meeting and you've had sit downs and you've had back and forth emails and you've had all of this and there's no receptivity. They do not have ears to hear. And so there comes a time to release. This is the most painful out of all of these. Why? Because we love people. We're connected to people. We love them. It might be your husband, your children. It might be any number of people. And it's not even always a release uh, like, you know, washing. I wash my hands of this. You know, when Jesus said, go into the communities and if they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet and move on. And what we think, we think, this is what we think. We think, to heck with you guys. Dusting off and, you know, Baruch y'all. No, that's not what it means. It means shake the dust off, all right, for a number of reasons. Shake the dust off because you do not want to carry that into your next season. You don't want to carry that into the next town. And it's like, Shake it off. You got to put this behind you because there's a task ahead of you. Go into this not worried about that. So it's like, man, I have to release that. I have to release that. I have to release that. And it's painful. It's painful to release people. It's painful, even kind of scary sometimes, to release something that the devil has been tormenting you over it could be an unsaved child it could be any number of things that the enemy is using that as torment over you or your health situation or whatever and you have to just release that I release it it's a way of saying devil you have no authority over me anymore so I release this into the hands of the Lord and I'm not going to worry about it anymore. And I don't know how that's going to play out. And I don't know when it's going to happen. But I trust my God that my power supersedes your power. And this is what I want you to do. We're, we're wrapping up right here. So this is how 
um, you can apply what I've taught you today. Determine if there's demonic activity going on in your world and then which method I'm going to use, whether it's renouncing, me taking responsibility for me, me rebuking, devil, you're not going to have that place in this house, meaning my house or your house or the house that we're in spiritually, or releasing. Sometimes you're going to have to say goodbye to friendships, guys. You're going to have to say goodbye to relationships. You're going to have to say goodbye, you know, to marriages and um, romantic relationships because you've tried, 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 you've tried. And how do I know, Pastor, if it's demonic activity? Are you tormented by it? That's the litmus test. Is there something in your world that you're tormented by? And dude, the blanks are innumerable. Do you find yourself being drawn to those pornographic sites? That's demon. Do you find yourself having lustful thoughts? That's demonic. Do you find yourself constantly having uh, thoughts of death? I've had that before I, at different places, points in my life that there was a, a demonic influence assigned to me for that. I'm like, and I recognized it and I dealt with that. But what is it? Are there things in your world that's tormenting you? Is there a situation in your house? Demonic activity. Now, I don't know where we'll go from here, but like I'm leaving you with a lot of information, but now comes the application part. So, like, what do I do, Pastor? Because there's a situation in my home that I don't know what to do with. All I can tell you is be patient. Those disciples, when they first came back, I gave y'all the second coming of, of them coming back. The first time they returned, they're like, dude, we tried it and it didn't work. And he says, do this, go out and do it again. And then they came back and they say, oh, my God, it works. Be patient with the process. Wherever you are, be patient with the process. If you need help, talk to us as a church family. And some of us, me or spiritual leaders, will get in touch with you. Because we want to see you free from demonic activity. All right? So I'm just going to wrap it up and just do a hard stop right here. And then we're going we're to, over the next several weeks, we'll talk more about this and give you more information. So, Holy Spirit, I just trust that what you've imparted to us today through the word is going to be substantive that will take it to heart and it becomes meat and muscle to us spiritually that God the stuff that we heard in this room today strengthens us in our spirit authority and power and that, God, as we grow, as we increase in you, God, this will give us greater influence in our families and our relationships in this church and in this community. We understand that the enemy is powerful, but we also understand he is not all-powerful. We understand that the enemy is a formidable foe, but we also understand, God, that you are the one who walks with us and strengthens us and empowers us to overcome the enemy. Now what I pray for my church family is this, oh God, is that not that we would just have knowledge because there are plenty of people with, with knowledge, but they don't have wisdom. 
I pray, God, that we would have knowledge and that with that, the supernatural gift of wisdom and discernment would come upon us. Just receive wisdom and and discernment. The scripture says, if you don't have it, ask the Lord and he will give you wisdom. But, Lord Jesus, that you will give us wisdom on how to act upon this. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Look at the last line in that. It says, then act upon it in wisdom. Do not just go out of here and go, I'm going to go rebuke some devils today. I'm going to go and I'm clearing house. Listen, you'll stir up a hornet's nest if you don't do it the right way. Little by little, step by step, praying and asking God in wisdom, growing some more if you need to. Don't fret. God's got you. God's got your situation. Don't fret. He's got you and your situation. But just draw close to him and let God draw close to you. And all the demons, I'm telling you, it will come, there will come a time in your relationship with the Lord. As you increase in him and he increases in you, listen, I'm telling you, I'm saying this to you prophetically. Demons will part like the Red Sea because they don't want none of you. I'm telling you, that will happen in Jesus' name.